James. Raf. It's a flash-looking piece of equipment you got there on the table in front of you. What do they call that, mate? <laughs> um, they call that a handgun, mate. The iPhone 15 Pro Max, I believe, in titanium. Um, like titanium. Hey, look, if you reference the Apple website, you'll notice that it is aerospace grade titanium. Mm-hmm. So the stuff they put in planes and rockets and what have you. So put some respect on its name. Okay. I, I mean, I, it is also the same thing they used in my new watch as well. Oh, so. wow. Incredible. Wow, everyone's uh, you're feeling like a, a fighter pilot mm. right now. Apparently, I mean, like, there was like drop test videos that came out that apparently shows that they shatter immediately when you drop them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about whether it's quite as resilient as a spaceship. But that's a glass issue, right? They've yeah. got to double glaze it. Mm. <laughs> Maybe I should send them an email. Have you considered double glazing <laughs> the glass? Yeah, just like the windows in my share house. Yeah. Keeps it nice and cool in the in the summer. Yeah. Well, air is, is the best insulation. That's so right. Yeah. Thank you. No, but have you used the camera? Fleetingly. I think the only time they used the average just used the camera was at the, the pub before mm. when I was taking a photo of your face. Ex- extreme close-ups of my face. Yeah. <laughs> I'll drop them on the, uh, Please don't in the show notes. In the show notes for everyone to have a, to have a look at. As someone who's a known Vanite... Um, Vanite? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would appreciate it if you didn't show me, like, mouth agape probably spouting off on some nonsense. Well, that's exactly what you were doing, actually. Uh, anyway, the camera, the photos, not on yours. The Max has got, you know, you got your new extra optical zoom or whatever. But the iPhone 15 Pro has the same camera as the iPhone 14 Pro. Yep. However, it is significantly better. Mm-hmm. Now, how does that happen? Well, the same camera. I say the same specs. We don't know exactly like pound for pound is exactly the same. It's the same megapixels, aperture, blah, 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 blah. Same specs on the physical device. However, photos are noticeably better. Well, it's because while some people, while Peter Thiel is going from bits to atoms, Apple is going from atoms to bits. Yep. Just came to me. That's beautiful. No, but it's the software realm where they're making the huge advancements. And at least Apple say like, the reason that you do have a jump in camera technology from iPhone 14 to iPhone 15 in the pro world, even though the actual cameras themselves have the same specs, is the neural engine. Yes. We wanted to do an episode about sort of mobile smartphone cameras and mobile photography. And the photo. Is a photo real? What is a photo? Simple question. That's how you pitched the episode to me. Yeah. You said, what if you do an episode, what is a photo? I think I said, bear with me. Yeah, you did say bear with me. Yeah. Because it is interesting because the the smartphone kind of arms race that's happened over the past, well, 15, 16 years since the first iPhone came out. Mm. We've talked about in previous episodes about how the smartphone has essentially reached its final form. Yeah, like we're going ooh-ah because there's titanium and like slightly rounded, more rounded edges, which kind of feels suspiciously like... I feel like this iPhone 6 or 7 or something around that era. But anyway. The first iPhone got rid of the keyboard. Mm. You know, it wasn't the very first phone to do that, but it was the first one to do it kind of competently mm. and put on a keyboard that actually worked. And so from 2007, it was established that the final form of the phone is like a rectangle of black glass. Yes. And there's been some tinkering around the edges. You know, Samsung are trying to get like the foldable phones going, among other things. But I think we can all basically agree that 
there's not much more you can do with the phone. Yeah. It's a, it's a rectangular slab of glass mm. and the guts get better every year. Mm-hmm. The chips get faster. You get the three nanometer microprocessor that they're putting in the new iPhones, whatever. But the basic form factor is not changing, yeah. which is also why Apple's trying to get into getting people into VR headsets because yeah. there's just not much you can do there. But of all the for the average person who's not like into tech or whatever, the number one change that they're going to notice from generation to generation, aside from the screen getting a bit better, maybe battery life hopefully getting better, is the camera. Yeah, That's the thing that the average person cares about. When I bought a new iPhone, I want to w- open up the camera app, snap a picture. Of your dog, <laughs> yep, chuck it on the gram. And it's going to look beautiful. And you right. want some like love hot eye emojis being sent back. Exactly. And I think it was, there was a period... There was certainly an earlier period where, like, the battle between, you know, Apple and Samsung and LG, I don't know why I pulled LG out, but, you know, the other manufacturers, which are less important now, Google Pixel, was really about whose camera is better. Yeah. You know, you always see, like, oh, I took this photo on my Pixel, and it's so much better than the iPhone camera. Or, look, my my Sony Ericsson comes with a, a Sony Carl Zeiss lens. Yeah. A big, proper lens. It's become less and less possible to sort of distinguish between the sensor modules on cameras because they're kind of hitting the limit of what you can cram into a device that's like less than a centimeter thick. Yeah. Although, you know, the format of the iPhones now where they have like this big sort of um, electric stove like I hate it. I like in that I said this on a really early down round, but like why can't they move that into the middle? Why isn't it not in the middle? Okay, I'm okay with it being up on the edge if it is less than half the width, right? The issue is, I mean, you've got the Max. I'm not a Max boy. I just keep it, like, sane. Yeah. Um, my camera on the back of my phone takes up more than 50%. Like, it goes across the halfway point. Yeah. I think that's too far. That, that's no longer in the corner. It's just like a glob. Yeah. Like, so move it into the middle for me. Mm. There must be reasons. Maybe the friggin' designers out there are saying, like, well, no. Well, I can't think of why, but I want it in the middle. Once it goes past the, f- the halfway mark, it should be in the middle. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. Anyway, there's a, there's a big conflict in the fact that consumers demand better and better photos. And they're happy to put this huge, like, weird yeah. blobby thing on the back of the camera in order because it's more important for the photos to be fantastic, of course, yeah. than it is to have, like, this weird globby three-dot stove on the back of your yeah, camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so uh, apparently I was reading something, apparently the new iPhones, because they have a 5X zoom lens or whatever, mm. to get that to actually work, like the light gets refracted all through the body of the phone. Yeah. So like the camera system kind of runs all the way through. Yeah, the, it's like a periscopic lens or whatever, like yeah, a ex- submarine. Yeah, exactly. Um, again, it's, it's just this weird conflict between the fact that customers want a nice big screen slim phone that also has a like professional tier camera system in it yeah. that takes that snaps for the gram or whatever. So the, the other side of the equation is you kind of hit the limit about you can do all sorts of fancy trickery to get great lenses into a device. Yeah. How do you actually make photos better on the other side? And the other side is software. Yeah, and well, because at the end of the day, yeah, they've got three lenses on the back of this thing. A camera is just light hitting a thing. So it's like there's only so much light in the end that you can get to hit your lenses. So, yeah, how do you make it better? Like what's the competitive advantage when yep. like everyone has kind of maxed out what you can yep. do within the space of two and a half centimeters? Yeah, so the, the real arms race is in, yeah, in the machine learning processing, mm. which has been happening since the beginning in, in some capacity. Yeah. The idea being that 
you can get a certain signal from these great nice lenses that you've got on the back of the phone, but the final product that you see and the photo that you're presented in your like camera roll app has gone through just an absurd amount of processing. Well, it's not one photo, right? Like yeah. at the moment, if you take a photo on your iPhone, it is taking multiple, I guess, what we used to call photos and creating a pastiche and basically putting them all together, using the information and pulling them all together to then present you with what looks like one photo, but you know, taking in all the information from like those various lenses. Yep. So it's not in the old days where you snap a button and then light hits a roll of film and whatever the light was is what gets presented on the film. It is a computer generated image based on multiple points of data, like data points yep. that are coming in through those lenses. Yeah. Hence the question, what is a photo? What's a photo? And as you said, this did start like um, a classic one is HDR. If you go back not even that long, like maybe 10 years or whatever. I think Apple, it was like the iPhone 4 or 5, they introduced HDR, but even then it was like pretty dog shit when it got introduced. And again, I'm pretty, I'm sure Android photos had HDR slightly before that, but... Android phones had HDR in 1947. Yeah, exactly, and like took four and a half seconds for the shutter to close. Sorry, no dis, just whatever, just do your thing. Anyway, HDR... You know how the sky now looks fine when you take a photo? Like the sky <laughs> this is, is a re- with- this, this is a recent innovation. It's a recent innovation. Go, literally go back 10 years and look at the photos on Instagram and Facebook. The sky is white in like all of them. <laughs> it's like completely blown out and overexposed in every photo you take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks like complete shit. Every window is just like this white because HDR, it, it takes one regular photo, one super overexposed one and one super underexposed one. Yeah. And then just like using software brings it all together into one image. Yeah. Obviously, we, people listen to this to be like, well, I mean, who gives a fuck? I just want it to look like what I see in the world, Yeah, which is fine. We're getting into the, the weird point now where now that people kind of accept the fact that when I take a photo, my phone is going to do all sorts of like wizardry to it to make it look acceptable to my eye. Yeah. We accept some examples of when it just literally makes stuff up. So the, the canonical example of this, and one of the reasons that you want to do the episode, is that uh, the Samsung like moon photography yeah. feature. Because you know, moon gate. What one of the one of the classic problems of mankind that we're trying to fix, and which before we even send a rocket to Mars, mm. is like how come when the moon looks so sick in the sky and I take a photo of my phone or like my mobile camera, it looks like a little awful dot. It looks like dog shit. Like every time we have like a blood red supermoon that are apparently only ha- supposed to happen every 700 years but like seem to happen like every three years there's a different one. I know it's like a variation or whatever. I get it, science and all that. And then you try and take a happy snap. It just looks like a smear. <laughs> it's, it's, it's depressing, you know. We want to fix it. But yeah, Moongate happened in March this year. Samsung were advertising that they have 10x optical zoom or whatever on their camera, but also 100x like magic zoom for space photography. Yeah, People were noticing in their photos how damn good the moon was looking. <laughs> like the moon was yeah. looking thick. Yeah. It was bussin'. It was, it was bussin'. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which led other people to be like, hold on, I think they're copy pasting the moon on top of the moon. And Samsung like, we are absolutely not copy-pasting a moon on top of the moon. <laughs> and people were kind of smart and were like, hold on, if I take a photo of the moon on another camera and the moon looks like it normally looks when you take a photo, it looks like shit, and then I take a photo with my Samsung of the printed out photo or the other camera's phone, all of a sudden the moon's popping again. <laughs> and it's like, gotcha. Like, you're doing something with the moon. <laughs> you're doing, yeah, exactly. And they were like, yeah, we're using AI and machine learning and artificial intelligence to recognise 
and like bring out the detail of the moon. Totally. So it's it, it's not quite mid journey or generative AI, but it's not super far removed from it. It's like we get what you're trying to take a photo of. Yeah, you're trying to get a photo of the moon in the sky. There's not much you can do with the average, like the optics that you have in your phone. Yeah. So we're just going to kind of like draw upon a corpus yeah. of data of what we the moon know. Is. We know the sea of tranquility and shit is up there. We know <laughs> the moon is always because of like tidal patterns or whatever. The moon's always facing the same way. We know what it's going to look like. We've got an accumulation of images of it. We so can. We're going to draw them out. We can. We can. That's how they present it. We can just build an image of a moon for you that you've taken a photo of. Yeah. And obviously, this kind of unsettled people to a certain extent because it's like. You know, I know, I wanted to get the photo of the moon that I was looking at. Yeah. Which looked sick, by the way. Yeah. Um, I didn't want your AI moon. Which, like, that was kind of a little Rubicon crossing moment. How often yeah. do you think about the Roman Empire? And, and an interesting one at that because it's kind of like, and, you know, we were discussing, you don't see red eye anymore. That's not necessarily all AI, but, like, some of it is. It's just your phone recognizes there's red eye. It removes it and fixes the eye. Yeah. And we're cool with that. Yeah, we're fine with that. Like, in fact, it's better. Yeah, red eye. Red eye was, you know, it, it was sucked. a scourge. It's a, you, a lot of the zoomers these days are into like that retro nineties two thousands type photography. Like mm. they they want to capture that particular kind of like bedroom digital camera aesthetic. Yeah, but you notice that like the red eye is not one thing they really want to get because mm. the red red eye does not look that good. No, it does not look good. It does not look. No one wants it's to not see. Bussin. No one wants to see like the. I mean, I can't remember what, what caused it. It's like your know, blood vessels being reflected. Yeah. Back. No one wants to see that shit. No. Um, I don't like, want to think about blood vessels in the eye. No, no, no. Look, there was a day at some point in the past ten years where we simply stopped seeing red eye photos. Yeah. They just know, stop. Often that's just software. It's yeah. Changing it's, the kind of it's reality. It's a combination of like software plus the fact that when you take a flash photo now, it like holds the flash for yeah. a while, so your eyes dilate properly. Whatever. But, yeah, a lot of it is also, quote, unquote, AI, just yeah. removing all that stuff before it appears. So if our phone, like, already we can also, and we're used to it on Zoom and whatnot with, like, blemish fixing. And, yeah. And obviously social media, everyone puts filters on and whatever, and that's fully ex- expected that it's, like, it's totally normal to just have a little bit of a, a beautification kind of filter on your social media. And, and, you know, other cameras for a while have been advertising, like, oh, yeah, we'll fix it so that, if you've got a photo of five people and one of them has their eyes closed, we'll just open their eyes up. Yeah. I, I think we have already kind of accepted that we're yeah. going down this th- path. I, you know, I think it comes down to like this arms race, basically. Mm. This idea of like there's a difference between, you know, this device takes the best photos in the market is like the best camera. Yeah. And this iPhone takes the photos that look the best, like the photos look, I think they're two different conversations. Yeah. On the way hand, you're like, is this technically the best camera or do the photos kind of look the best? Mm. And it's definitely the case that manufacturers now are more interested in like that latter category. Yeah. Because I mean, even like with iPhone photos or whatever, that they look fantastic when you take a photo on your screen and whereas I said, the advancements now are like in the neural engine, not in the actual optics itself or the sensors or whatever themselves. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Caveat, there are still advancements in the sensors, I'm sure, but there, like, there, realistically that there are, but it, there's diminishing returns. And so whatever, you take a photo and it looks fantastic on your iPhone. As soon as you zoom in, it doesn't look good anymore. Like you start to see all the weird blurring and, and the artifacts of like, yeah, th- they are transposing. Because this is another thing with your phone. Like on an iPhone, when you open up the camera and you've you're seeing things through the viewfinder, it is saving every single thing it's seeing. And like bringing that data before you like press the photo button, it's saving all of that information already, and then it'll either 
use it to like fix whatever photos or videos you take or you can see in the live photos that like that's an obvious example that it's yeah. like filming either side of it and using the data to enhance and then eventually dumping it but it's you can see when you zoom in that uh, actually this isn't like it's not sharp when you zoom in it's just really sharp like looking at it on a phone like normally and, and yeah you can see those kind of like it's a computer at work here yeah but there's an interesting kind of like business market angle to it as well when you look at like the broader camera market, casting your mind back again before smartphone cameras became ubiquitous and, you know, that thesis of like the best camera you can have is the one that's with you at all times. Yeah. It's sort of like the philosophy of mobile photography. You know, you would have a digital camera and you could buy like your consumer tier ones, which was like from whichever providers. Sony PowerShot. Get your Sony PowerShot and all the, the cheap brands, obviously disposable cameras had their role as well. And now they're kind of more like a novelty. And then you could go up to sort of the entry level Canons and mm. like Sony cameras, which were aimed at kind of like the prosumer market where it was like, you know, I'm an average person, but I kind of want to take nice photos. And I'm interested in getting into taking photos that are of a higher quality than off the shelf digital cameras or like, you know, entry level yeah, ones. The lenses got bigger. Yeah, exactly. And then you obviously had like your top tier professional cameras. Yeah. SLRs, huge lenses. Yeah. Obviously, that entry-level market has just been obliterated. Yeah. You're like, I don't even know if you could get one if you tried. I mean, I'm sure they do sell them, but I assume they're all kind of like knockoff Chinese brands yeah. that are like in that 100 to $200 range. Yeah, like all for kids. They're basically, yeah, they're basically for kids because the market for like an average person who wants to take photos is completely looked after by iPhones, which have much better looking photos than those cameras ever Of did, course. Right? So as a result, the actual camera market only really markets the two segments. One, prosumers, who are the people, uh, but they kind of have a different mindset. It's not like, I want to take nice photos. It's, I would like to be a photographer. Yeah. Like, I want to do the job of going around and taking photos and then editing them in software. yeah. I want to, like, take artistic things. You're not buying them just to take it around to, like, family events to photograph Yeah, to bash it up on Instagram. No, you you want to become a photographer. Yeah. And then, obviously, you have the pro tier where it's, like, you know, I'm actually doing this for a job and yeah. I need the, the latest and greatest and the best uh, quality lenses and um, whatever, high quality cameras. So as a result, phones own everything else. Yeah. The desire of that kind of person, they don't care about megapixels. They don't care about really anything except I want to look good. In I, the want, I want to look good and I want to also be able to just, I expect to be able to take this out of my pocket and take a photo anywhere in a dark nightclub in a massively sunny space. I want to take it of my face. I want to be able to flip it around, take it of you. And I want it to always look good. And I want the moon to look amazing. <laughs> I want the moon to look big and juicy <laughs> and radiant. And that's, that's it. And so like that creates like a completely different set of incentives for like the people who develop camera systems for smartphones. Yeah. Because they're not thinking at all like how do I capture precisely what's in front of me. No. They're thinking how do I make something that looks really, really good? And even if that means, as you say, like all the tricks of like capturing stuff at all times, stitching together an image from a million different images of varying, and which iPhones do, and I think a lot of Android phones do in a much more like intense way, is like from the get-go doing like the blemish removal yeah. and making your face look smooth as possible. Well, yeah, like it recognizing what the photo, because that's what we have to, people have to understand. Like when you're taking a photo on your phone, it is immediately like recognizing everything in it. And then it has the capability to be like, 
how can I use like machine learning and AI to like make that thing in the image look as good as possible? That's what Samsung was doing to a very explicit degree with regards to the moon and literally, yeah, recognizing the different crevices and whatever and making them pop or whatever. But like every phone is completely capable of that. I mean, we've spoken, I was like, the question was like, what is a photo or whatever? But like the reality is people have already decided that, yeah, a photo is just like when I press a button, whatever looks mad. <laughs> like that's what the photo is. I think, exactly, yeah, yeah. And people don't care. And we're only going to like, I bring it up now because it's like, it's only going to get more. Like every piece of photo and video and whatever we take and then or, or consume more likely, like everything you consume is going to be more and more influenced by the computer. Yeah, I think so too. And like the juncture we're at right now is that degenerative AI stuff hmm. is getting better. Uh, we, we've talked about mid-journey in the past. OpenAI just announced DALI 3, which they, they announced uh, last week or, or over the weekend rather, which is like fully integrated into ChatGPT and comes with like OpenAI's really sophisticated like language and sentiment analysis. So you can like, rather than doing like the mid-journey prompting, which mm. is annoying kind of like technical nerd stuff, yeah. you can just write it out in, in super plain language and it produces the images for you. Yeah. That stuff is getting better and better and better quite rapidly. So it's like where photography sits in a world where like someone can just create any image they want. Yeah. And the average consumer can be like, make me an image of the uh, a beautiful um, panoramic photo of the Grand Canyon. And like what's the value for a person who's actually at the fucking yeah, Grand Canyon? Yeah. yeah, taking the photo. Like I think it's this thing as well where like, you know, kind of 20 years ago you'd be like, whoa, like – People just share their lives to strangers on the internet. They just take photos and just post it willy-nilly about, like, what they're doing. That's bizarre. Like, no, that world will never exist. And, you know, it, it was seen would be seen as weird or whatever to be on Instagram every day posting stories to the world. Yeah, in 10 years' time, the normalized thing will be, like, photos slash videos or whatever are just, like, oh, yeah, like, the computer fixes it all and does all things. And, like, the environment, with, like, in which that photo was taken is not the actual environment. But, like, that's just normal. All pretense to reality has been kind of forgotten. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, obviously I do exaggerate a bit in the sense that, like, if you actually went on a holiday to the Grand Canyon, you're going to want the photos that you actually took there so you could look at them. But it wouldn't. Like, it would, in a few years' time, you'll go to the Grand Canyon and you'll take a photo and it'll just, like, it'll recognize that you're at the Grand Canyon. It'll make everything way sharper. It'll make, like, the weather more stunning. You know, maybe it'll add a, a beautiful, like, hawk or whatever they have over there. You know, is yeah, there yeah. eagles flying a, through yeah, the Yeah, a bald eagle screeching through the frame. <laughs> Oh, but it'll bring out, like, maybe it'll notice some birds and it'll bring out the detail in the friggin' birds and, yep. the beautiful, and, and remove the tourists, you know. Remove the other tourists. And the beautiful thing is you'll look at it and be like, that's exactly how it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. We're giving ourselves schizophrenia by looking at these AI-enhanced photographs. Yeah. Because that's the way you want to reflect, you know, your own personal reality. And maybe that's fine. Yeah, maybe. And, may and any trying to kind of relate it to, like, the real world is fully seen as overly sentimental. Yeah. Wow. You're writing a little Blade Runner riff here. Am I? Never seen it. Oh, that's right. You, you don't watch movies. No. I guess the thing, though, like we have to kind of come to grips with is like, okay, if I take a photo of my kids at, you know, age two and four or whatever, in 10 years' time, am I going to be like looking back on like AI versions of my kids, basically, where, yeah, the blemishes, like cuts or whatever removed or, you know, their teeth have whitened and their eyes being opened like or do I just want to see my kids eyes and like what my kids were doing in 
that circumstance? Like, that's the kind of question we need to ask ourselves. And no one cares, as I said. Like, <laughs> we've made, as I said, the an- we already have the answer. No, we want to see them even, looking even, radiant and godlike. Even, like even as you say it, I'm like, I don't care about that. <laughs> exactly. I want, you like, want to see a photo of your two kids there. They've got, like, big, wide open, like, puppy dog eyes, which are just, like, completely different color to what their actual eyes are. Yeah. And behind them is a giant fucked up moon. <laughs> like, giant, <laughs> giant, huge, r- giant red blood moon. But the question becomes even more when it's like, again, your phone, your beautiful iPhone 15 Pro Max has the capability of taking like the 3D videos and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, well it comes in October. The, yeah, it gets added the feature to do like the, the Vision Pro the, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But that's then the next world of kind of personal media or whatever is like, yeah, this being able to film kids' birthday parties and then um, wear, wear the big... Uh, wear the goggles got- and then relive, you know, the fifth birthday in VR that is going to be relying so heavily on AI to actually to fill in the gaps to and make fill it. in all of the gaps when you when you're taking it from like a like a, a single plane kind of camera and so like that will be fantasy from the get go that's yeah, yeah, like yeah. computer can, created yeah, yeah yeah if that is the future world in 10 20 years when we consume all content in like a more kind of immersive environment then reality is gone i'm calling it you're bearish on reality yeah. and the human interpretation of or reality. Or this replication of reality. I mean, yep. maybe it never existed. A lot of people will argue it's like, yeah, but cameras are always fucked. Like it being blown, the sky being blown out was an error. You know, that wasn't reality. I mean, it's no. reality of like the photons hitting yeah. the lens, but but it doesn't reflect what we see with our eyes. No, I agree. But I think like I think all the stuff you're talking about is it's definitely coming down the pipeline, and all this stuff is going to continue to escalate and. You know, I think generations coming up now, this is just what photos look like to them. Mm. And so they're more than happy to accept that. But I think the the near future sort of consequences for like, again, smartphones and like every new smartphone having to have a cool new camera system or whatever, Mm. it's completely left the realm of like my Samsung has actually has a better lens system than the iPhone. Mm. It's just becoming increasingly irrelevant. It's just like whatever cool little software tricks they can put in there to make you look at it and be like, damn, that photo really pops. Yeah, totally. Is what photography is now. Well, I mean, they refer to these cameras, yeah, as 48 megapixel. It's not 48 megapixel lenses. It's two 24 megapixel lenses stitched together. And yeah, you're right. Like no one cares about those numbers anymore. Don't care that explicitly like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's software. Like it's 48 megapixel software kind of camera, whatever kind of pops. Maybe you Zoomer listeners that we have out there, the ones of you who still smoke weed, like I know it's not cool anymore or whatever, <laughs> fair enough. I don't smoke weed either. Um, but, you know, next time like hits blunt, you know a photo isn't really a photo, man. You know, maybe have that conversation. You have that conversation with, with you and your, your weird little friends. <laughs> it's two photos. It's actually it's every bit of human possibility and some algorithmic magic yeah. sort of like coalescing into a single image that's as fake as a painting you would see in a gallery. Yeah. And then just like hit that blind as hard as you can. Just <laughs> suck it into your guts. If you're listening to this, did you know there's another world out there where you get a second episode of Downround a week? Yep, it's called Downround Premium. That's right, and there's no interruptions. No interruptions, no ads, two episodes a week, including the free one you're getting right now, plus another one. Yep, seven bucks a month, not a week, a month, downround.net. Downround.net, instant access to the whole back catalogue as well. You've got so much to catch up on. There's so much. Get around it. Mm. (laughs) Mmm.